Good morning. So we're in 1 Thessalonians 5.16 this morning. Memorize this one this week too. So rejoice always. How? How do we do that? I've met two very distinct types of Christians in my years in the church, in the church in general. Um, you have what I call Tigger Christians, okay? This, if you know Winnie the Pooh, Tigger is bounty, bounty, fun, 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 fun. You know Tigger. And he's just always excited, always happy. These Christians, you know, they're seemingly always happy. Nothing's ever wrong. They're always smiling, but it seems a little fake. And their answer to everything is, you know, you just need to read your Bible and pray some more. Okay, you just don't have enough faith, you need to read the Bible, you need to pray some more, that's, that's it. Is this what it means to rejoice always? You also have Eeyore Christians, okay? Sticking with Winnie the Pooh. These are, these are the types of Christians who are seemingly always down, always complaining. Something's always wrong. And they go, you know what, I, I go to church, Pray, I read the Bible, it doesn't seem to help. Is this what it means to rejoice always? We're going through 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, and we're in week two of three, and, it's, and we're going out of order, but we started last week with verse 17, to pray constantly. But the order here isn't important. All three of these commands are keys to living in the present as people of the future. And they're designed to help keep our hearts and our minds on the unseen reality that Jesus is coming back. And we will be with him forever if we are followers of him. So last week we talked about praying constantly and talked about how prayer in, in a word is surrender Versus simply asking for things. It's, it's surrendering things over to him. It's dependence. And we talked about how praying constantly doesn't literally mean all the time. It just means it's your knee-jerk reaction to things that happen in your life. And we, we had a prayer week this week, which was, which was awesome. Thanks for those who participated. Um, and we, we tried to just really live this out together. But here we are in verse 16. Rejoice always. Charles Spurgeon who was a, a pastor in England in the 1800s, known as the Prince of Preachers, and if you've ever heard or read anything from him, you know why, he's fantastic. He said this in talking about this passage. He said, the more praying, the more rejoicing. Prayer gives a channel to the pent-up sorrows of the soul. They flow away, and in their stead, streams of sacred delight pour into the heart. At the same time, the more rejoicing, the more praying, when the heart is in a quiet condition and full of joy in the Lord, then also will it be sure to draw nigh unto the Lord in worship. Holy joy and prayer act and react upon each other. I think that's an incredible way to put that. Joy and prayer act and react upon each other. So the main answers, the main how-tos of rejoicing always are actually found in the messages or the scriptures that we are covering last week and next week, 
It's to pray constantly. That's how you rejoice always. It's to give thanks in all circumstances. So I'm going to focus today not on the tool, so to speak, for tapping into joy in Christ. That's, that's how you go about it. That's what you use, our, our prayer and thanksgiving. But I want to focus on the sources of joy that are found in Christ. So let's start with a definition of joy. And this is for years been uh, a good biblical, true, working definition of joy that I've used. And it's this, it's satisfaction and delight in God independent of circumstances. So what sources, what wells can we draw from to find satisfaction and delight in God? I mean, these are the aim of all of the disciplines in the Christian life, of prayer, Bible read, all of this is so that we can enjoy God, be satisfied by him. So I thought of the analogy of a buffet for this morning. So think of a buffet and the silverware and the plate are like prayer and thanksgiving, okay? But it would be really silly if you showed up to a buffet. Imagine you showed up at Pizza Ranch and you got your plate and you got your fork and your spoon and you sat down and you never went and got any food. Okay, that'd be ridiculous, right? We just, we just wouldn't do that. So today we're going to spend most of our time um, introducing to you the food on the buffet. Or the different varieties of joy in Christ that are already available to us regardless of our circumstances. But... We have to take up the fork and the spoon, so to speak, of prayer and thanksgiving in order to really start experiencing those dishes. By the way, I dare you not to go to a buffet this week after I give this message. Um, but I want to show you from 1 Thessalonians that rejoice always does not mean being Tigger or Eeyore. It means that when life is hard or when life is great, when your mood is up or when your mood is down or somewhere in between, you can scoop into the deep wells of joy that are ours in Christ. So a Bible study tool that I want to teach you, and I think I've brought it up maybe years ago though, so a refresher, it's called the concentric circles of confidence. So when you're studying scripture, the foundation of this Bible study tool and of all Bible study is that the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible, or the best interpreter of God is God, right? So if you have a study Bible, your notes on the bottom, they're helpful. Commentaries are helpful. All those tools, they're helpful, but they're not, they're written by fallible humans at the end of the day. But if we use scripture to help understand scripture, we can be absolutely certain that we're interpreting it correctly. So the next couple weeks, we're actually focusing on the paragraph. So you start with, okay, it says rejoice always. Let's look at the paragraph that that's in in 1 Thessalonians to try to figure it out. We're doing that. We did it last week, and we'll do that next week. So we're actually going to go to the next one. We're going to look in 1 Thessalonians and see what Paul has to say about joy and figure out how we rejoice always. So after that, though, we're not going to get here today, but you can go to the author. So what else did Paul write? What else did he say on joy? He actually said a lot more things. We're not even going to go there today on joy. And then the same Testament. What else in the New Testament talks about joy? And then what's the Old Testament say about joy? And then if you're still like, I'm still not figuring this out, what's going on? You can use those other tools written by man to help you out. So that's, there's a, a little help for you in, in studying the Bible. 
But we don't need to leave 1 Thessalonians this morning. So if you can just back up a couple pages um, or a couple chapters here, I want to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. 1 Thessalonians 1, 4 through 6. It says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because, of our, gosp- because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. So the key here, you see at the end, in verse 6, the Thessalonians were experiencing true joy in Christ. So I want to I back up and look at what led to that. Why were they experiencing this joy? And we can see these, these entrees, so to speak, of joy that are available to us. So I have six for you. And just to make you hungry for buffet, I've got the warmer here out for us. And uh, here's our first entree of joy available to us through Christ in 1 Thessalonians. First, it's our identity in Christ. He starts in verse 4, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So let's break that down. Loved by God. Paul reminds the Thessalonians of how God feels about them. He loves them. Notice that it doesn't say that you are tolerated by God. It doesn't say that God just puts up with you. No. It says that he embraces them and loves them. See, the same is true for us. We are as loved today as the moment that we first became God's sons or daughters. Regardless of how you performed this week at your Christian duties, he loves you the same. Regardless of how much you screwed up this week, he loves you the same. You may know this. But listen, let this sink in. You are infinitely loved by God. Here's what this means. This absolutely means that God likes you. Just to put it in modern vernacular, because love has become such a convoluted term that we don't even know what we're saying when we say love. Here's what it means. He likes you in spite of you. Like he, he sees you and your flaws, and your weaknesses, and your sin, more than even you do. But yet he goes, I like you. This is our identity in Christ. It's, it's not like what God going, you know, I like you, like, you know, I like a family member that I'm forced to spend time with at holidays. Or I, I like you, like, that coworker that you're forced to do a project with at work. Let's get this over with. No, it's, it's like a good friend that you can't wait to hang out with. That's how God likes us. That's how he loves us. He knows your sin. He knows everything about you better than you do, yet he likes you. That's our identity. This is who we are as believers. We are also chosen by God. Jesus said in John 6, that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. That means of all the 8 billion plus people in the world today, 
he chose to draw you to himself. Of all the hundred plus billion people that have ever lived, he chose to draw you to himself. This means that God doesn't just love you. He doesn't just like you. He wants you. So much of our lives are spent trying to be noticed by other people and wanted by other people, but God simply wants you because before you ever did anything for God, in fact, while you were doing things to rebel against God, he wanted you. And he went to great lengths to show you that by going to the cross. The first great entree of joy in Christ is, that's always available to us is our incredible identity that we are loved, we are liked, we are chosen, we are wanted by God. And some of these terms probably make you feel even a little uncomfortable. That's because the love of God is that shocking and that great that you go, oh, really? Does he really feel that way? Yes. That is what we see throughout Scripture. The second entree of joy available to us in Christ that we see here is the gospel message itself. Verse 5, it says, Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance, you know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. It says, Because of our gospel, and you welcomed the message with joy. And then if you turn a couple pages over to 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 9 and 10, we, we hear the gospel message very plainly. 5, verse 9, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. It's a beautiful summation of the gospel. We can rejoice because we don't get God's rightful wrath and anger because of our sin. Every day we truly are better than we deserve. What, what greater joy than knowing that we're guilty, yet, yet, no punishment is coming our way. Rejoice, because Jesus died for us, it says here. We obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. We're not saved because of anything we did. In fact, in spite of us, Jesus saved us. We're saved because of what Jesus did. I love listening to Pastor Alistair Begg, and he put this very beautifully. He said, think about the thief on the cross. I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You didn't know a thing about church membership, and yet you made it. You made it. How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. What are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. Well, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. Then the supervisor angel comes and goes, so we've just got a few questions for you. First of all, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? The guy says, I've, I've never heard of it in my life. And what about, mm, let's go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. 
This guy's just staring at him. And eventually, in frustration, he says, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said I could come. Rejoice, not because of what you did or what you prayed, but because the man on the middle cross said you could come. Rejoice, because Jesus, apart from our works, invited us in. He said we could come. Rejoice, because 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 10, at the end, it says, we may live together with him. You will live together with the fulfillment of your deepest longings here on earth. Think of it. The marital bliss that you've always craved. The peace with your kids that you've always prayed for. The closeness with friends that maybe you've only ever tasted for a short season. Or the contagious laughter that you've always wanted to be around. All of that and more will be fulfilled forever in relationship with Jesus. Except even better, rejoice. Rejoice because of the gospel message. Third, rejoice because of assurance of salvation. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, it says, Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Rejoice, because if you are in Christ, your salvation is 100% sure. Do you doubt that the sun is going to rise tomorrow? I never have. Our salvation is more assured than the fact that the sun will come up tomorrow. Now, let's get, let's get a little uncomfortable. Give a high five to someone in the room right now. You're not too cool to give a high five. There you go. All right. Here's the point. Your salvation is more undeniable than the fact that you just gave someone a high five right now. Drink deep of the immense joy found in the rock-solid assurance of salvation. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The fourth entree of joy available to us through Christ is the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. How were the Thessalonians able to find joy in Christ while they were being severely persecuted? Did you see that? Severe persecution. The Holy Spirit, God himself. So what does that mean? How do we go about dishing up joy from the Holy Spirit? Simply asking it. I, I wonder how many times in my life, I wonder how many times in your life that, that we have simply missed out on the joy of the Lord because we just sat there in whatever was going on, going, life is terrible, this is the worst, and we never thought to just ask God to give us joy. See, joy comes from the Holy Spirit, from God himself. Are we asking for it? The fifth entree of joy available to us in Christ is receiving joy from other believers. 
Again, 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and 6, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit. And with full assurance, you know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord, when in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. You see, the Thessalonians were clearly receiving Christ's joy through Paul. Now, two things the Thessalonians had to do in order to receive Christ's joy through them. They actually had to spend time with Paul. So it's one thing if Paul was just living among them, but if if they never actually chose to spend time with Paul, they wouldn't have received that joy. Secondly, they needed to really listen to Paul. I mean, they couldn't just show up and be disengaged. It's not going to work. You have to be engaged, have active listening, open ears and open hearts. Today, we must do the same. If we're really going to receive joy from other believers, we actually have to spend time with other believers. And that maybe goes without saying. But, I mean, are you making time? Are you in a connection group? Are you in a Bible study? Are, Are you... Having dinner with other believers? Are you going to be? I mean, are you just, are you spending any time? If you sit at home and never have meaningful interaction with other believers, you're missing out on some joy that you should, could be experiencing from other believers. Secondly, we need to really listen to others and receive their encouragement and help in our lives. See, just showing up doesn't mean you're actually listening. Just because you hear words doesn't mean you're actually listening. You know, I I often have a hard time accepting encouragement from other people. I know a lot of us struggle with that. Someone encourages us and it's like, yeah, that's cool. All right, that's weird. Let's get out of that, you know. Um, But every time I do that or every time you do that, you're actually denying the joy of the Lord. When God wants us to soak that up as a gift from him. Like, and that person is just trying to bring the joy of the Lord to us. And when we, we, we kind of stiff arm it, we're, we're missing out. I loved this morning. So we did this this morning. I don't know if you caught it. So there were a few times Josh pulled away from the mic and I could hear people just belting out praise to the Lord. That brought me a lot of joy this morning. Because it's like, man, there are days you just don't feel like belting out Hallelujah, praise the Lord, you're so good, you know, the songs we're singing. But when I hear other people belting it out too, regardless of what they're going through, it's like, okay, yep, this, this is what life is all about. It's about worshiping Jesus. It encourages us, it gives us joy, it puts wind in our sails. The sixth one is similar. It's giving joy to other people. So in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, it says, For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Next chapter, 3, verse 9. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience because of, before our God because of you? So clearly Paul was receiving immense joy himself as he gave joy to the Thessalonians. This is because joy produces joy, produces joy, produces joy. You know, this week I had the opportunity to pray for a lot of people with our prayer week and prayer nights. And I experienced more joy than I have for a while. 
from giving joy to other people. See, we, we think, oh man, you know, if I, if I do this, it's just gonna deplete me and I'm gonna feel, and all this is like, no, quite the opposite. It brings us so much joy to bring the joy of the Lord to other people. So I wanna, I wanna go over a couple things before we end. So first, how can we feast on these sources of joy? And you can leave these up. How can we feast on these always? And particularly, I want to start with, how do we do this when life is good? I think most people have a harder time remembering the joy that they have in Christ when life is good. So I would just say this. When life is going great, don't get cocky. Stay humbly dependent on Christ and his strength. You know, in Philippians 4, Paul said that the secret to contentment, whether, whether this is going on or that is going on, is this, is that he can get through anything through the strength of Christ. So no matter what's going on, when life is going great, you still desperately need Jesus. Life will not always be great. Hardship will come. You desperately need Christ now and then. So don't get cocky when life is going well. Also, don't settle for cheap imitation joy. I think sometimes we can almost get bored with our joy in Christ when life is good. Like maybe there's more joy to be had that I'm missing out on, we think. But true joy is only found in Christ. Don't look for it in other places. Don't settle for two seconds of cheap thrills that leave you with regret. Also, don't get greedy. People are down. People are joyless and in need of joy now more than ever. Jesus didn't give us his joy to keep it all to ourselves. Don't get greedy, but instead be contagious with your joy. Let the joy that you're experiencing show. Let other people catch the joy of Christ from you. I mean, how much joy do we keep locked up inside because we're scared of what other people think? What if I, you know, what if I really show that I'm joyful and people just like look at me weird? You know, like we just, especially in the Midwest, we tend to just kind of hold back. I'm just gonna have more of a stoic, all this stuff. It's like, why? If you, if you feel the joy of the Lord, let other people see it. It can bring joy to them. Like, overflow. But how can we feast on these sources of joy when life is hard? You don't do it by pacing on a happy face. Don't be tiggered. But instead, with tears in your eyes and uncertainty ahead, you remember you remember that these sources of joy are always in season. Think of like watermelon or strawberries or sweet corn. They all have a definite season, okay? You do not want to go to the store and get sweet corn right now, okay? Bad idea. Promise you, it will not be good. There's a definite season for it. But what's great about our joy in Christ and all of these things and more found in scripture is that they're always in season. They're always in season. We need to remember that when life is hard. 
These sources, these entrees of joy in Christ are always in season. They're always available to us and ready for us. See, the Thessalonian church that Paul is writing to here, it said in 1 Thessalonians 1.6 that they are going through severe persecution. Paul himself, he says in 1 Thessalonians 3.7 that he was in distress and affliction. So it's not like Paul is writing this and is being Tigger, like just rejoice always. No, he's experiencing it, and he's writing to a church that is experiencing it. And the Thessalonians and Paul dug into these sources of joy in Christ that were always theirs, and we need to as well. We need to dig into the fact that our identity is always found in Christ. We need to dig into the fact that the the gospel message of Christ's sacrifice is always ripe. See, our assurance of salvation is always 100% sure. The Holy Spirit is always eager and willing to bring us joy. Other believers always have fresh cups of joy to give us and giving joy to others. Always is rewarded with fresh joy in return in some way or other. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, Let's enjoy these always-in-season, abundant entrees of joy as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your joy. I love how it says in your word that the the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I pray that, that the joy of Christ would be our strength. When life is good, when life is not, and everywhere in between, that we would come to you, the fountain of living water, for satisfaction and delight and joy. And I pray for those in here this morning that are really going through it. The life is just really difficult right now that you would be so faithful to bring about joy in their hearts and their minds this week, God. I pray that they would tap into the Psalms and realize, yeah, they were, they were not pasting on a happy face. They were being honest. But they were also coming around and f- declaring that they trust you in spite of what's going on. And we thank you that you are trustworthy and unchanging and full of joy and love. We thank you, Jesus, for the joy we have in you. In your name we pray. Amen.